Well, here it is, Labor Day Monday, and I'm sure a lot of us are feeling like time has just flown by this summer, as in where did it all go? And now, for a lot of kids out there in particular, the next few days back in a classroom are going to drag on, or at least they're going to feel like they are dragging on. So why does time behave like that? Why does it seem to speed up or slow down? Is it just us? Well, Dr. Sean Carroll is the Homewood Professor of Natural Philosophy at Johns Hopkins University and is with us to talk about that this morning. Uh, Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. Well, it seems very kind of existential to talk about this at this hour of the morning, Dr. Carroll. So so thank you for being here. But do we do we imagine time? Like does it really speed up or slow down? You know, people have different opinions about this, interestingly enough. But my way of saying it is that time is real. It honestly exists. We experience it differently. And we experience it differently both as a matter of physics that came from Albert Einstein 100 years ago, and of course, also psychologically, right? We have things going on in our bodies and our brains that do, in fact, speed up or slow down compared to the rest of the universe. So if we are having one of those hours where it feels like time is dragging out. Let's say we're stuck in a meeting, right? Which is going on forever. Are there Mm -hmm. things that we can do to speed up our perception of time? There are, but I don't know if I would recommend them necessarily. When we think that time is slowing down, it's usually because we're not getting novel stimulus, right? We're not seeing or hearing or thinking about anything different from what we did before. For example, you might think that These days, at a certain age of your life, the summers go by more quickly, like you just said, compared to when you were a kid. That's because when you were a kid, everything was new, right? You were constantly experiencing new things, and you were developing all these memories and storing them, and it seemed like it took a lot of time. When things are the same over and over again, then it things compress. The moment that you're there, it seems like it's taken forever, and afterward, you can't even remember what happened. So is there a measurement, though? Like, how, does, how is time treated in physics? In physics, we talk about the relationship between different things. So we talk about how many times the Earth rotates around its axis versus how many times it revolves around the sun to define a day versus a year, right? One way of thinking about measuring time is that there's a whole bunch of things in the universe that repeat themselves. They go back and forth, like the Earth rotating, it returns to where it started, and they do so in predictable, reliable ways. And anything that does that is a clock. And so the universe is full of clocks that are all more or less reliable compared to each other. And then we can think about What are the more reliable ones? What are the less reliable ones? So there's time as we measure it in physics, and then there is our perception of time. Yeah, and we know a lot more about time as we measure it in physics than we do about our perception of time. Human beings are way more complicated than the physical world. In physics, we can always simplify things down, right? We can talk about a pendulum rocking back and forth or the sand running down in an hourglass. And in very simple situations, we can solve everything exactly. That's the miracle of physics that someone like Einstein can give us an equation. And 100 years later, that equation is still true 
and still predicting things that Einstein himself never imagined. And that's how we are able to understand time at the level of physics. At the level of psychology or neuroscience or biology, there's an enormous amount we still have to learn about our perception of time from moment to moment, our perception of time over years, how we age, how we metabolize. These are all fascinating topics that researchers are still digging into. That is so, so really the human humans, we are the kind of X factor in all this. Well, complex systems are always harder to think about than simple systems. And the thing about physics is you can simplify what you look at. You can say, all right, I'm going to drop an object off of a tall building, but I'm going to ignore air resistance to calculate how fast it will fall. And that's fine if you're dropping a rock. It's terrible if you're dropping a piece of paper, right? So physics is able to make progress by first looking at very, very simplified situations that might not be realistic and then putting in the complications later. When you have a human being or any other biological system or for that matter, any super duper complex system like the ecosphere or the galaxy that we live in, there you can't ignore the complications. The complications are kind of what matter and make it rich and interesting. That's why physics is the simplest science, honestly. I'm sorry, what? How is physics the simplest <laughs> science? That has not been my experience with physics, Dr. Carroll. This is the paradox because physics seems challenging to us precisely because physicists are able to make enormous progress because it's simple. So it's not like we're spending research dollars right now studying balls rolling down inclined planes or ice skaters pulling in their arms or anything like that. We, we've figured that stuff out and we've pushed the frontiers of knowledge into cosmology and the Big Bang and particle physics and all this weird stuff where, of course, it's way outside our everyday experience. So it seems strange and forbidding to us. Okay, so then where are the big mysteries in physics? If we have figured out the simple things, what do physics, physicists still wonder about? I think the two big things that physicists are still wondering about are what happens at very, very, very small scales inside an atom, inside a nucleus, inside a proton, right? That's why we build giant particle accelerators to try to figure out the laws of fundamental particle physics that make the universe go. We have a wonderful theory with a very boring name of the standard model of particle physics, but we don't think it's the final answer. We're still looking for a better theory beyond that. And the other frontier is the universe as a whole, the Big Bang, what's out there in the universe, dark matter, dark energy, what happened at the beginning, what will happen at the end. These are huge questions where we've actually made some progress, but there's still a long way to go. So is it fair to say then, like, we can measure time if we can turn it into kind of that, the mathematical aspect of it in the universe, right? We can write an equation that measures time. But when it comes to humans, well, we're a little bit more subjective. You can't necessarily write an equation about how humans perceive things. I think that's exactly right. You know, humans are subjective. They have the a feature that rocket ships and electrons don't, which is that they have their own perceptions of the world, right? So as an external person, you can see what, a, what someone does, you know, a famous Olympic sprinter, you can time them, but it's much harder to figure out what's going on in their minds as they experience this run or this race that they're in or whatever. And that, that subjectivity, you know, we can't just put in a little meter and figure out what thoughts are going on in people's heads. So 
that makes it hard to collect the data. Yeah, it's probably for the best, honestly. (laughs) It is. Do you ever have those moments where you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is dragging on forever, where time is really slow for you? And if that happens, what do you tell yourself? All the time, (laughs) to be honest. You know, the word time is the most used word in the English language, the most used noun, I should say, because it's everywhere. You know, you when we organized this talk on the radio, we had to say what time it would be at. The concept of time is absolutely central to how we organize our lives. And yet we're still not completely good at mastering, you know, making sure we experience the right amount of time. You know, this movie seems to be dragging on. Other times we're having a great time and it seems to go by very, very quickly. I I suspect there's nothing we will ever do to fix that. I think that's just part of the human experience. Unless you can write a mathematical equation about it. I can't do that yet, but I would let you know. (laughs) Please do. We'll have you back on the show. Dr. Carroll, thanks for your time. Thanks very much for having me. That was fascinating. That's Dr. Sean Carroll, Homewood Professor of Natural Philosophy at Johns Hopkins University, talking about the passage of time. That is so true about, about, well, us, about humans, right? We are subjective, so we experience time differently, even though time itself can be written as an equation. We can measure it in a scientific fashion, not necessarily, though, in our minds. This week is a good week to talk about that because I know a lot of people are thinking the fun times, the fast fun times of summer are over as kids, parents, teachers, everybody heading back to school this week. And we'll be talking more about that. If you want to weigh in, send me at cknw.com.